Good morning, church. Man, it is great. Uh, I'm, ex I'm really excited to uh, preach this morning. Uh, my name is Willie O'Quinn, and I grew up and was baptized in this region of the church about 14 years ago. Uh, it's been about 14 years now since I was baptized. And uh, I moved up to the University of Kansas to play football there. And that's where my wife, Katie, and I, we serve as evangelist and women's ministry leader, working with campus and young professionals in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, we have two daughters, Kaylee Jean and Kylie Joe. They're two and a half and one years old. But uh, man, this is so cool. This is so cool to be back here preaching. Uh, I want to start off. Before I go any further, just apologizing to any of you uh, that I ever did anything to, at, uh, you know, uh, if I ever TP'd your house or anything like that, on behalf of the 10 or 15 guys in the teen ministry, I apologize. Uh, there were so many services where someone would turn around and tell me to stop talking, and now I've come back with a mic, so... Uh, I'm really excited, but uh, I want to say thank you to Todd, and uh, man, you guys, just forgive me the opportunity, but you guys are so lucky, you guys have some incredible leaders, uh, man, luckier than you guys know, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful to be here. Let's go ahead and, and go to God in prayer before we get into it. God, thank you so much just for the opportunity to preach your word, thank you for who you are, God, thank you for being able to to come back and just be with my family here in Dallas. God, thank you for all the ways that you're working. Please open our hearts this morning to your word. I pray that we can be inspired to grow closer to you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The title of my lesson is Immeasurably More. And my hope for today is that you would be inspired that no matter where you're at this morning, whether you're stuck, whether your life is a mess, whether you've been doing great, no matter where you're at, that you would leave feeling inspired and hopeful that God can do immeasurably more in your life and in this church. I want to start by reading Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Amen. Such an incredible passage. And, um, you know, just super, super inspiring. But before we really dig into it, my first point I want to get into here is immeasurably more love. Because I think in order to really understand Ephesians 3, you have to go dig into Ephesians 2 a little bit. So turn back a little bit. We're going to read in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Such a powerful passage. So powerful. Now unfortunately, this is also one of the most misused passages in the Bible. And we miss the great message that's here. You know, the book of Ephesians is not a blueprint for how we go from being lost to being saved. But unfortunately, that's sometimes how it's used. We can hear people use this to say how repentance and baptism are not necessary for salvation because you can't do anything, you know, just believe we're good. It's missing the point. The book of Ephesians, especially chapter 2, is written to magnify how incredible God's love for us is and how undeserving for salvation we really are. You know, that word grace, it means God's favorable disposition. And I think sometimes we talk about grace like it's this magical force field, you know, like we're in this little bubble and we can't be touched. But grace, grace is God's favorable disposition. It's more about who God is than about something we get. You know, is anybody a Cleveland Browns fan in here? No, exactly. Why, right? Why would you be a Cleveland Browns fan? Okay, similarly, is anyone a Raiders fan in here? I think Allen. I think that's it, right? Uh, if someone walked up to you and you were a Cleveland Browns fan and said, why are you a Cleveland Browns fan? You, you really couldn't give them anything, right? Uh, it's not, it's not that their uniforms are brown and orange, right? Uh, gosh, it's just, uh, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I just am. And, you know, God is kind of a Cleveland Browns fan in the sense of, God, why do you love humans? I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's just in my disposition to favor them. That's what grace is. And so Ephesians, he's talking to the Gentiles here. And what he's saying is, you guys are so undeserving of God's love. You guys are filthy dogs, basically, 
And you don't deserve to even come close to God's people. But because for some reason he favors you, I don't know why, you're able to have the opportunity to be a part of God's people. That's what's being said. It has nothing to do with how we go from lost to saved, but it has everything to do with why we even have the opportunity to be saved. And the answer is, I don't know, because God's just, he just likes us. And that should inspire us, guys, because no matter where you're at this morning, God's a fan. He likes you. It's just part of his nature. It's part of his quality to favor you. I don't know why, but he just does. And when I think of my life, when I think of even growing up here, I learned to become an expert at being deceitful right here. My senior year of high school, I was basically dating somebody that wasn't a Christian. I hid it. I go on to college. My pride continues to grow. I start dating. I continue to not listen to any advice. I'm impure with my girlfriend. I hide it, and on and on and on and on. The fact that I'm even up here this morning, I have no explanation for. But there's immeasurable love from God. And Todd. Now, here's the kicker. Just because God loves you doesn't mean he's going to save you. And when you read in this, notice how Paul is talking to the church and he's speaking in the past tense. You were in sin. You used to live this way. You lived among them at one time. You know, my question for us this morning, is there a used to in your story? Is there a past tense to your story? When you share your life, man, I remember when I used to be consumed with my career. I remember at one time I was very critical. I remember how I used to live in lust and pornography. Is there a used to in your story? So that's the context leading up to Ephesians 3. So when we get to Ephesians 3 and we see that God could do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Wow, he's already let all these undeserving people into his family. How much more could there be? But thankfully, there's a lot more. My next point is immeasurably more prayer. Six and a half years ago, Katie and I, we were right getting out of college. We got married and we decided to go into the full-time ministry. The church in Lawrence at the time was 55 disciples. It was a small church, small town. And as a staff, we got together and we prayed, God, amaze us. And do things that we can't take credit for. And I remember going home that night and I was on a prayer walk. And I made a little deal with God. I said, God, show off. Glorify yourself by what you do in Lawrence, and I'll tell everybody about it, and I won't take any credit for it. And so what I did was I started this little prayer journal here, and I write in it all my prayers, the date I prayed it, what I prayed for, and then I leave a little section 
for how and when God answered it. And I just want to share some of how God has answered prayers with us this afternoon. June 2011, God doubled our ministry. Now, at the time, our ministry was about 10 or 12, the campus ministry in Lawrence. Uh, we got everybody together, we prayed, we fasted, we were on board. It's the only ministry I've ever been a part of where 100% of the members were completely on board with everything, right? Because there's 10 of us, so we're all fired up. Uh, we, we prayed and fasted for 40 days. We took turns fasting from food and, uh, for 24 hours, just all the way for 40 days. We get the school year starts, we hit the ground. I mean, we're just so fired up, and I think we had three baptisms that whole year. Okay? You know, so I write in my journal, you know, no, that's how God answered that prayer. Um, the next school year, our little group of 12 to 15, Church of 55, the first Sunday service, we've been reaching out for one day, the first service, 40 campus visitors show up. And I remember one of the old guys, he'd been in the church for forever, he walks up and he's just like, what's happening? And I didn't... I don't know, right? The whole church is 60 disciples, and we got 40 campus visitors there. That school year, we had 17 college baptisms. The ministry doubled. But that inspired our marrieds. The marrieds ministry, they were reaching out. They baptized their first adult guy in a long time. He brings his wife out. He baptizes his wife. Then he brings his former coach out. His former coach gets baptized. He baptizes his wife. Both of his kids get baptized. He invites out his best friend. His best friend gets baptized. He baptizes his wife. They invite out their best friends. They both get baptized. Then a couple that used to be a part of the church came back to the church. She had a sister who used to be a disciple. And she said, hey, sis, you got to come back. No not coming back to that church. Well, it turns out her sister was getting married. So she pulls some of the people together, and you know what? If she won't come to church, we're going to take the church to her. So we performed her wedding. We performed the ceremony, the decorations, the hair and the makeup, the DJing, the food, everything. Fine, I'll come to church, but I'm not studying the Bible. But her daughter starts studying the Bible. She becomes a disciple Mom softens up. She becomes a disciple. Her husband becomes a disciple. She invites her ex-husband, who used to be a disciple, back out. He becomes a disciple. His sister used to be a disciple. She comes back. She becomes a disciple. Her husband becomes a disciple. Their daughter becomes a disciple. Their son becomes a disciple. And their youngest is now studying the Bible. Our marriage ministry doubled. You want me to double your campus? How about I triple your church? In the last five or six years, the church has grown from 55 disciples to 150 disciples. The campus ministry has gone from 12 disciples to 60 disciples. And we've had several people going to the full-time ministry. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Amen. May 2014, because of all this growth, we needed a new building. 
Well, it turns out our sister church down the street was also looking for a new building. They started to pray, God, give us a free church building. So it turns out the largest Southern Baptist church in Missouri shrunk down from over 500 members to about 12. Yeah. So our sister church walks up, hey, do you mind if we have church service in your building and you guys could join us? Not at all. They loved it so much, they said, we're going to give you this building for whatever we have left on our mortgage, which was $100,000. But then they came back to them the next week and said, hey, we loved your church so much, we have an account with $98,000 in it that's supposed to be used for building maintenance, and we want to give that to you guys also. (laughs) So we're sitting here in Lawrence needing a building. Let's pray for a free building. So we start praying, we get everybody together, we start praying for a free building. This church in town shrinks down to about 15 members, you know, so we're kind of like, okay, we've seen this story before. So we go, we have church there. We ask them if they'd be willing to sell us their, actually, I think we asked if they'd be willing to give us their building. (laughs) And they said, well, how about this? We'll price check our building with others around town. So they look down the street. This building about the same size, it was going for $150,000. So they're like, we'll give you the church building for $150,000. The church had $150,000 in the bank they'd been saving for 20 years, bought it outright. Then it turns out that church down the street had a typo in their price. It was supposed to be $450,000. So we got a good deal on it. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask. January 2016, I started praying, God, help me to have more influence with the KU football team. Because I played football there, I wanted to have an impact. Started praying, within the next three weeks, they hired the coach that had recruited me to come play as the head coach. Now, I had the head coach's phone number. So I call him up, I go up to the facility, and says, Willie, This is your facility. Whatever you want to do, you want to come work out, you want to come to practice, whatever, it's your house. So I start coming out. Then he rehires all my old coaches. So now I know the whole coaching staff. And so last year, I worked as a volunteer in the strength and conditioning program for the KU football team twice a week. So I'm there, and I just start calling myself the chaplain. I meet these players. I'm not the chaplain. I know the chaplain. The chaplain doesn't like me. And I just start calling myself the chaplain. So I'm working out. I'm meeting these guys. Hey, I'm Willie. I used to play here. I'm, I'm helping out with chaplain. Awesome. About six weeks ago, I got a Facebook message. I said, hey, Willie, my name's Josh. You don't know me. We met in the weight room. Just want to know if we could get together. Sure. Get together with Josh. Turns out Josh leads FCA on campus. Turns out Josh is the starting pass rusher for the KU football team. Turns out Josh is on scholarship for a KU leadership program. Turns out Josh is living with his girlfriend. He sits me down. He says, Willie, I've been religious my whole life, but I don't even know what it means to have a relationship with God. And I'm leading all these Bible studies, but I don't have a spiritual mentor in my life, and I was wondering if you could mentor me spiritually. We're studying the Bible with Josh every week. 
God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. The problem is, I think we've stopped imagining, and so we've stopped asking. When was the last time you prayed something as crazy as for God to double your church? Or for a free church building? Guys, God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. But we have to get back to imagining and asking. Amen? My last point, immeasurably more work. <gasps> work. Well, this past semester as a campus ministry, we decided we're going to go to work for the Lord. So we set this crazy goal. We started praying, God, please work through us. We set this crazy goal. We want to reach out to 25,000 college students in the first two weeks of classes. The group is about 45, 50. That is literally an immeasurable goal. I didn't know how we were going to keep track of this or whatever. So we get our leaders together. Amongst the leaders, we set different individual goals. The first day, we had this big info fair. All the student organizations get a little table, and we're reaching out like crazy. We get kicked out of the info fair for too much recruiting, right? I don't even know. That's the whole point of the info fair is to recruit. Somehow we, we all showed up with our T-shirts, you know, our, our ministry T-shirts. We're reaching all over the place. We get kicked out. We get escorted. And so I'm walking up to everybody I can find. Hey, guys, they said we need to leave or they're going to bring the police to escort us. We need to, let's be respectful. Let's get out. And this little girl, she looks back and heck No. I've got 10 more people I need to reach out to. So she goes and changes her T-shirt and goes and reaches out to 10 people and then comes with us. <laughs> and then classes start. We get there. I, and I'm like, you know what? I need to push myself. I'm going to go reach out to a bus, right? So I get on this bus. There's about 50 to 75 students crammed in this bus. And I'm sitting there. I'm really nervous. I'm kind of shaking. And my plan was... I'm going to ride this bus to campus, and then I'm going to wait till like 15 seconds before the bus stop. And then I'll reach out to everyone, and then we'll stop, and then I can get out, right? Uh, so I'm sitting there the whole ride. I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, here we go, here we go. And this little girl stands up, and I look, and she's from our ministry, and she reaches out to the whole bus <laughs> before I could even get there. What is going on? I get, I get to campus. I go in the cafeteria. This really shy guy you never expect stands up on the cafeteria, reaches out to the whole cafeteria. The first 10 days, we had over 300 visitors come out. We had over 50 Bible studies come out. And we got this email. I want to read this to you. It says, hello. My name is Rachel. I wanted to address a concern of mine. I'm sure you guys are a great organization, and I can only imagine how important recruitment is to you, but I'm slightly annoyed with the means your organization has gone in order to recruit. I've been stopped four times so far this year. This is three weeks into the school year. I've been stopped four times this year. Each time it's incredibly awkward, and you won't take no for an answer. You guys are more persistent then kiosk salesman at the mall. 
You start off with a question about my background, where I go to church, how strong my faith is, and it gets deeper and deeper. One time I pretended to be Jewish so that the girl would leave me alone, but she still wouldn't. I'm sorry, but I don't want to talk about all this, especially not when I'm about to study or when I'm walking home from dinner or when I'm trying to catch a bus. And while everyone I've talked to has been extremely kind, and I have no complaints about their personality or their character, my wish moving forward is that your outreach would be less aggressive. I respect your work, but please leave people alone. You know, dear Rachel, would you like to come out to church this Sunday, right? Right? If we want to see God do immeasurably more in our lives and immeasurably more in our church, we have to get to work. And we get so weird when we talk about work and spirituality, right? I don't know what else we're expecting. Jesus was tired, right? Jesus took a nap on a boat in the middle of the sea during a storm, right? Jesus was tired. It's okay to work hard for the Lord. We've got to understand that. We praise that in every other area of life, in education, in our careers, in raising children. Could you imagine how your kids would turn out if you just said, well, we don't need to work hard for it. We just need to just believe that it will happen somehow. Right? That's just ridiculous in every other area of life. But when it comes to our relationship with God, oh, work. No, it's okay to work for the Lord. But the amazing part is that our work is not in vain, that we have a supercharger hooked up to our work, right? God will take an inch that we give him and take it to eternity. That this semester, in the first two weeks of class, we reached our goal. We reached out to 25,000 college students in the first two weeks. And in the last 10 days, back home in Lawrence, we've had seven college baptisms, all that were met within the first two weeks. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. But we have to allow him to work through us. If we want to see God do immeasurably more in our lives and in our church, we've got to allow him to work through us. Amen? I want to conclude our time here with a few pictures, if we could show This was our ministry back in 2011, right before we said that prayer to God. God amaze us. Next slide, please. Those are the list of all of the college students that have been baptized since that prayer. And the next photo, that's our ministry now. If you can show the next one as well. Guys, God can do immeasurably more than what we could possibly imagine. And you never know what he's going to do. You never know, man, your son or daughter just might be a terror right now, just like I was when I was back here, right? You never know who God could sweep up, pull out of left field. You never know who's going to be up here preaching 15 years from now. God can do more through this region, can do more in your life than you could ever imagine. But we've got to start imagining. We've got to get back to asking 
and we've got to allow God to work through us. Amen? I want to close with the scripture that we started with this morning. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Love you guys very much. to God in prayer now for our communion, and uh, two thoughts uh, before we pray. Uh, one is it's so exciting when